Hello and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage podcast. My name is JD and I blog over at uncoveringintimacy.com. And August sort of snuck up on me and so I'm a little late getting June's questions out, but here they are. For those who are new, uh, these questions come from our anonymous have a question page and as such we have no context other than what they share and no contact information generally to follow up with. So we do what we can with what we received. And these questions are all shared with our supporters who help by sharing their thoughts and perspectives as well before I get around to answering them. And before we get to the questions though, I want to let you know about a new survey that we're running. I had someone ask about what sort of noises people make during sex with their spouse. So I put together a survey to see if we can gather some data to help answer it. And we're hoping to get about 2000 responses to our sex noises survey before doing the data analysis. So if you haven't answered it yet, uh, please fill it out. There's a link in the show notes. And uh, if you do, you get 20% off our sexy coupons printable for completing it as a thank you for adding your data to our knowledge. Uh, lastly, we've been updating our sexploration list printable and I'm ready to release the new version. So if you've already purchased it, you can download the new one from the shop by logging in. If you're one of our supporters who give $5 a month or more, you get it free. And if you're considering becoming one of our supporters, now is a great time to join because if you pledged $5 a month or more, then you'll get it free too. Um, there's a link in the show notes to do that as well. Now, with all that stuff out of the way, let's get on to the questions. Question one says, I have a colorful sexual past, including homosexual behavior. When I was in college, I stopped going to church, stopped caring about my relationship with God, and wasn't thinking about my future, future sexual relationships. I had a breakthrough my senior year and started to get back on the right path, focusing on Christ. I repented and honestly believe God has forgiven me. Ten years later, I'm married to my beautiful wife and have a two-year-old son. We have a pretty boring sex life, not just compared to my old life, but to other healthy Christian marriages. We have sex about once a month. I'm always on top, and she just kind of lay, lays there. I enjoy it, but I feel like it could be better from what I hear on your podcast and other Christian marriage posts. I have tried to talk about it with my wife, but I'm always met with, I should be enough for you. I'm unsure how to approach the subject now. I understand that she's probably hurt by my past, which is understandable, but I didn't expect to have it held over my head all the time. Thank you in advance. So this is one of the dangers of having premarital sex, regardless of the gender of your partner, that we often don't talk about. Premarital sex is easier in a lot of ways. You're often younger, your brain hasn't fully developed, particularly the part that can assess risk, um, so you're less worried about consequences. And in the moment, it feels like risk-free sex with just enough guilt to make it taboo and sexy, but not enough to overwhelm you. You know, you have a partner, but often you're more infatuated than in love, which means you're more focused on how it feels for you than how they feel. And in short, it can feel pretty good. Then you get married and real life settles in. You move from infatuation to love, which means you hopefully become less selfish and more focused on your partner, which is hard because you don't know what they're thinking most of the time and never exactly how they're feeling. Your brain grows up and you worry about pregnancy and bills and mortgages and work deadlines and laundry and appointments and on and on and on. And sex is no longer something that just happens spontaneously, but is sort of planned sometimes and scheduled plus you're not you're supposed to do it so it's not exactly taboo anymore and based on your old standards it can seem like a lot of work with a lot less payout however there's also a massive opportunity 
you know, having a, the same partner for 5, 10, 20, 30 plus years means that you can become very skilled at creating pleasurable experiences for each other. And there's a world of experiences to explore that often require trust and vulnerability that can be difficult for many people outside of marriage. Then when you decide to start a family, the, you know, the risk of pregnancy turns into a joy of bringing life into the world. And, well... I've yet to find anything else that compares with the experience of raising a child. And yes, it can be really exciting and adventurous, but it takes both sides to be willing to be vulnerable and intimate. And that's where you're stuck. Now, it could be that she's upset about your past. It could be that that's simply a smokescreen so that she doesn't have to be vulnerable about sex. Because frankly, this pattern happens in a lot of marriage regardless of the past. And the way through it is some really uncomfortable conversations, uh, probably for both of you. And you might need a counselor to help you walk through them if you can't manage to have them on your own. Uh, and I don't have a magic phrase that will help you get past the I should be enough for you. Probably the best I could come up with is, you know, I believe God intended this to be better for both of us. And I want us to explore what he gave us together, which to be honest, isn't going to fix everything, but it might put a very small crack in her defenses, then maybe suggest a Bible study. My wife and I led a small group study in our church um, of Song of Solomon using the book Intimacy Ignited, and I highly recommend it. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can find it. Um, but you can just do it as a couple. Read a chapter a week together. Uh, it even has discussion questions to push you to talk about it. And I'd try that uh, as it's a good start to open up a discussion about your sex life while framing it within a biblical foundation rather than um, your wife worrying about you comparing it to the past. That way it can give more of an objective view of it rather than subjective. But I think the f thing to focus on is that you want better for both of you because if she's just starfishing sex, uh, basically lying there like a starfish, then I'm willing to bet she's not enjoying it as much as she would like to as well. All right, question number two. Uh, I am a 70-year-old husband, very active and in great health, on no medication. Good for you. At 70, that's amazing. non-drinker, non-smoker, but I have difficulty holding an erection long enough to enter my wife for any kind of ejaculation inside of her. I have no problem reaching a release if masturbating or having her bring me to release. I'm wondering why I can't cannot hold a hard erection long enough to ejaculate inside of her. So my first question would be, is there porn use involved? Um, I often go to this because often it's the case. Uh, in these situations, um, that's, yeah, regularly the variable that's missing. Uh, porn is designed to hit all of our senses and arouse our mind, not just the body. And it can be difficult for a flesh and blood wife to compete with that. And if your body is used to that level of arousal and then it can be hard to maintain an erection without it. As well, masturbation tends to give stronger sensations. And not to be indelicate, but it would not be surprising to hear that a close to 70-year-old wife does not have the same grip strength in her PC muscles as she does with her, her hand or yours. On top of that, masturbation requires less effort. It's just your hand moving, uh, or even less if it's just hers. Sex, on the other hand, tends to use larger muscles, which takes more blood flow, which is also needed to maintain an erection. So those are some reasons why it could be that this is happening. Now, you could also try Cialis or Viagra or one of their generic options um, and see if that helps. It kind of goes against your no medication thing, which you seem pretty strong on, but it might be worth checking out just to see if that kind of solves the problem. 
Of course, talk to your doctor make sure it's safe, but considering your health, I don't see why it wouldn't be, but I'm not a doctor, so don't take that as medical advice. Question number three is, I'm in my late 40s and I've had issues with PE my whole life. For those who don't know, PE is premature ejaculation. My wife and I have tried everything from start, stop, squeeze, creams, training. The best I could do is a few thrusts and pull out, wait, start again. Not a great way to have sex, but we've made it work. Now that I've now I've been having ED, which is erectile dysfunction, not staying hard during my wait times. I've talked to my do- doctor about this for the first time. He prescribed Viagra for ED and Zoloft for the PE. He said, I have to experiment with how much and when you take Zoloft, it can delay orgasm or completely stop it. What kind of experiences do you or others have with these drugs? Maybe that's more of a question for your forum group. I'm afraid no one in our group had any experience with Zoloft for that purpose, but I do understand that that's fairly commonly prescribed for premature ejaculation. There's also a spray that I've heard about from various sources called Promescent that sounds like it works wonders. I've never personally used it, but everything I hear about it is promising. Uh, It might be worth checking out. I put a link in the show notes for you. Um, Again, I can't give a personal review about that, so it's just informational purposes only. Uh, I am working on a post about Cialis and Viagra and hope to have that out so soon, so stay tuned for that. And lastly, I hope that my readers and listeners will offer their experiences if they have any with these drugs in the comments below, particularly Zoloft, because that seems to be harder to find information about. All right, question number four is quick. How many couples like to have risky public sex in public restrooms, outside, etc.? No idea. Sounds like a good idea for a future survey. I did find one survey from another company that said uh, 26.1% of couples surveyed had had sex outdoors in a public park, field, forest, or garden, uh, 12.7% on the beach, and 5.6% in a public bathroom. Um, That's the best I can do for now for stats. None of those are suggestion for doing anything. I I did answer a question about the morality of public sex in episode 68 of the podcast, though, if you want to go check that out. All right. And question five is another question about ED. So my question comes from every once in a while, I experience minor setbacks during sex with ED issues. I'm only 25 and my wife and I are fairly regular four to five ish times a week. And I've had issues with pornography in the past and have been porn free for a while now, but sometimes it's a little longer to get hard and always can't always maintain it through sex. Now I'm fairly confident it's mostly a mental issue because usually when it happens, once it happens the next several times until I get my confidence back, it seems. But my question is, would this be a gradual transition into ED or entirely mental? And if this is an onset to ED, should I be talking to my doctor now because I'd rather not leave it untreated? Personally, I'd rather treat with more natural methods such as ginseng, maca, elk velvet, etc. But my benefits cover Cialis, not elk velvet. Haha. I, I think it's good to talk to your doctor about it. Whether or not you want to take a drug, it's good to have it on record that and get some things checked. ED can be an early warning sign of diabetes, for example, and a whole bunch of other things. So it's good to at least have it on your medical record in case another symptom shows up and then it helps them kind of point them in the right direction. Uh, Then I'd say try all the natural things. And if you want to get some Cialis for special occasions, like when having it fail would be more devastating, like anniversaries or something, then at least you have it as a backup. Uh, actually, for cases like that, I might go with 
Viagra instead as it kicks in quicker and leaves your system faster. Uh, I had one person tell me that if you chew them before swallowing, which I'm told tastes absolutely awful, so I'd have something to wash it down with, um, it kicks in pretty quickly. I think you said like 15 minutes or so. Um, so you can keep it as a backup, and then if something happens, you can take one while switching back to more foreplay moves for a bit um, while it kicks in. All right, question six is, hi, Jay, I've got a question that's been bugging me for a while. I love to answer questions that have been bugging people for a while. Uh, My husband and I had sex before we were married, and now that we're married, when we have sex, sometimes I find myself fantasizing about the times we had sex before we were married. My question is, is that a sin? I'm not fantasizing about anyone else, just sexual interactions with my husband that I had before marriage because we were sinning by sleeping together back then. Is it a sin to fantasize about? I think the reason it gets me so excited is because it was risky and exciting back then doing something we shouldn't have been doing. But now that we're married, we have great sex. I just still sometimes find myself thinking about our pre-marriage sexual experiences to get off when we're in bed. Thanks for all you do. Your podcast and blog is a fantastic resource. It's great to have a Christian who is open and willing to talk about and educate people on sex. Uh, Thank you. Okay, so... When I posted this question in our support forum, as I do with all of them that come in, uh, one of our supporters pointed to Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, which reads, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press onward toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Um, But to be honest, I find Philippians 4 verses 8 to be clear, um, which reads, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, And by quoting that, I mean that I don't believe that God would want us looking fondly on our past sins. The fact that we eventually did the right thing doesn't redeem what we did when we were wrong. Christianity isn't uh, the ends justify the means endeavor. Um, We can't cleanse our past sins by eventually doing what is right, but rather we acknowledge our wrongdoing, ask for forgiveness, and accept that Christ paid for that sin. Uh, To then say, well, Jesus paid for it, so I might as well enjoy it, I don't know what the word for that is, but it's not right. Um, So rather, I think this points to something else that's going on that should be addressed. Uh, Why is it that premarital sex is more rousing than married sex for you? And I don't ask to say that you're weird or anything. It's very common, which I answered in a question earlier. Uh, And I wrote a whole post about why marriage ruins sex, uh, which I'll link to in the show notes if you're interested. But it does point to an issue. You know, we should enjoy married sex more. We should have more freedom to explore. No guilt, no anxiety, no time constraints, or worries about getting caught or getting into trouble. So perhaps there's work to be done to figure out why exactly for you, um, what should be uninhibited sex is less exciting. The other issue is that having to withdraw to a fantasy means that you aren't in the moment when having sex. It sort of pulls you out of the shared experience that sex should be in the same way that reading a book together is a shared experience, but reading two separate books sitting side by side isn't uh, in the same way. I'm hoping that makes sense. So what can you do? 
Uh, the supporter who mentioned Philippians 3 verses 12 to 14 also suggested checking out our resources in the shop. I'd suggest uh, two of them. The first one is Introduction to Talking Dirty. Uh, many women find this helps keep them in the moment as well as helping to arouse the mind. It can also add uh, that kind of taboo feeling to it because these are maybe words and language that you don't use outside of the bedroom. Um, so that can kind of make things more exciting. The second one is, of course, our sex exploration list. Uh, I created this resource for couples to be able to find out the things that were arousing to both of them. So I suggest going through it and finding new things to try. Find ways to keep both of you engaged and more aroused. Um, like I said, I just updated it and I'm giving it away free to any of our $5 or more supporters this month. Uh, hopefully those can help. All right. Question seven is a quick one. Um, I don't see the free ebook mention you mentioned in episode 70 on the website hasn't been taken down. Uh, no, our, where did my sex drive go? Ebook is still available and free. Uh, I also just put a link in our shop so it's easier to find back again. Usually you would have to go straight to the link. Um, but I did put a link in the show notes below so you can find it easier. All right. Question eight is it wrong that I'm turned on by my wife peeing in the toilet? She's even done this after we fooled around in the shower, literally while I'm drying off feet away. I tried to watch, but I know I'll be caught watching. She has no idea how arousing I find this, yet I feel totally weird telling her. All right, so, I mean, it's not that surprising, is it? Like, we grow up being told that that's a private function, so it has a taboo quality to it. On top of that, it involves genitals, which, well, many find arousing. Uh... But for the same reasons, others would find it a turnoff or find it odd that you'd be turned on by it. However, those are both subjective responses. I can't think of any objective reason why it's a problem other than if you find it arousing and your wife finds the idea of you finding it arousing to be inappropriate, which I'm not saying she does or is necessarily likely to, uh, and that would only be an issue because you two have clashing opinions, not because you've done something objectively wrong. All right. Moving on to question nine. Hello, my wife and I have been married for seven years, almost eight. We have one child, which we had back in November. However, throughout our marriage, sex has been a pain point. Quite literally, in the beginning for the first few years, it was painful for her. Now she just says it doesn't hurt or feel good. It just is. I had to fight for years for her to start opening up to even basic foreplay to help her feel good, but even that still doesn't quite do it for her. And so our sex life is basically me sometimes getting to use a toy on her and then sex for five or so minutes in one position until she wants to be done and a hand job to finish. This maybe happens once every two weeks. She has literally told me she has no desire. I don't want to just have sex for me. I want to make her feel good too. I don't know what to do. I've tried for years to inject passion into our sex life. We never had a honeymoon phase or anything like that. I can count on one hand in seven years that she has actively wanted to have sex with me and that the sex was just her taking over and going at it. I'm all, and I'm always rebuffed. I don't want sex every day or anything wild, just intimacy that I can't get from a hand job. Yes, I've talked to her about this multiple times, and every time it ends up in a fight. We may have more sex for a week or two, then it's back to the normal stuff. I have a decently high drive, so it's less than fulfilling, and it's frustrating that she doesn't seem to care. Do you have any tips? Thanks. I would say that the two of you need to learn how to communicate better. Now, without hearing the argument, I can't say exactly what the next step would be. But if you can't discuss something without arguing, then there's some communication skills missing, clearly. 
either that or you might need the help of a therapist who can help you through the issue if it's so painful a topic that no amount of communication skills would be able to not cause an argument. Now, if you can manage to have a conversation about it, it might be wor worth checking out her hormone levels, any medication she's on, or test for depression because if she's not even getting aroused during sex, then something might be going on that should be addressed. Uh, that's about all I could do with the information given. I feel like I need a little bit more information to try to map out a next step for you. So if you want, shoot me an email and I will do my best to help. And lastly, question number 10. She writes, Hello. First, a heartfelt thank you for all the information and wisdom I found on your site thus far. I'm appreciative of all of the other questions answered that I've been consuming this afternoon. Might as well ask the one that brought me here. Yeah, I agree. Might as well. A short synopsis. In a private Facebook group, a supposed post of a marriage therapist gathered a lot of likes and shares. It was high on sensationalism, short on proof. A compendious summary of its claim was that the couples counseled could have avoided a lot of the pain in counseling if they had only done three things in their marriage daily, hug, kiss, and breast play. They're at least upfront in saying that it wouldn't magically fix anything, but there were a lot written about dopamine, oxytocin, and the promises of uniting a couple to face problems together, all without a single source or citation. I vaguely recall a church marriage summer series ages ago. One of the exercises was to kiss and hug every day. We weren't great, and that quickly dropped off the to-do list. At least I heard about the hugging and kissing before, but the lesson didn't have any citations either. In researching this question of mine, one of the first posts I found was yours, which is, Why Are Men Obsessed With Breast? Which I'll link to in the show notes, so you can read it for yourself if you want. You make the statement that oxytocin helps with her attraction to him, her feeling secure, and their bond emotionally. This is way less sensational way of stating several points in the Facebook post. I have found several of your posts where you quote Proverbs 5 verses 18 to 19, which for those who don't know is the, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful dealer, may her breast satisfy you always, may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Anyways, um, including that post, you say that the only time the Bible ever gives the okay to be intoxicated is the husband with a wife's breast. I just find it all a little unbelievable. I don't like, but neither do I mind him holding my breasts when we spoon, but I've never liked them touched, caressed, kissed, or any other type of play. I would prefer them never to be touched, seen, mentioned, or commented on. I'm dubious that daily 10 minutes of hugging, kissing, and breast play do much more than add stress to the to-do list of already busy days. I'm skeptical that my sagging 40-something-year-old post-children breasts have much of anything left to catch his attention. I'm in flat-out disbelief that they could get him intoxicated. I know it's scripture, but it's st I'm still not sure it applies to me. And I'm hesitant to even risk being vulnerable enough to let him do whatever with them. There's a lot going on. We are busy, and the stress of the last year and a half hasn't helped. We don't fight or argue much, but there are plenty of days where I don't feel like we are slightly closer than frustrated, annoyed roommates juggling children. I don't feel like we have a spot where we need counseling or anything like that, but I'd certainly like to be proactive than reactive. I guess I want to be convinced, yet I'm finding more opinion than actual research, and to be honest, I feel horrified by the thoughts of any breast play, much more horrified by the thoughts of daily. The comments I've seen 
that the wife should teach him seemed ludicrous. I wouldn't even know where to start. It all seems too fantastical to be true. It seems like an idea dude bros thought up at a bar one night, and I hate the thought of it being another thing on the to-do list. Is there any evidence that daily hugging, kissing, or breastplate do much for couples? What about couples that are stretched a little thin? Or is it just a regular hit of oxytocin that matters? So a while ago, I wrote a post called Don't Put Your Hope in Magic Pills, which I'll link to in the show notes, uh, which more or less described what your introduction here was. Um, There is a tendency in media, be it sensationalized journalism, speaking engagements, or social media, to take one small fact, in this case, touching breasts, tends to release oxytocin and add it to another fact like oxytocin makes people feel more loving bonded connected and then build a hypothesis you know that daily breast play would improve marriages and then skip the actual testing of the hypothesis and put it out as a foregone conclusion now they make entertaining social media posts sometimes so i occasionally leverage them myself uh, but i try to make it clear that it's more than a little tongue-in-cheek one famous study that they did this was uh, was women in a lab had more orgasms with socks on. Uh, and when this came out without testing any of the other variables, everyone jumped on it. You know, the headlines were things like wearing socks makes it easier to orgasm, which uh, was all over the place. One company even sends out free socks with their logo on it when you purchase a sex toy from them. And I know because I have a pair. Um, now, I don't think that wearing socks helps you orgasm in all situations. I think it's likely that the lab was cold, as they tend to be, and so the socks help them not be distracted by having cold feet. Um, So if you're distractingly cold, then yes, socks might help, but that doesn't mean that they'll help everyone in all situations, or even most situations. Um, So, to your question, would hugging, kissing, and breast play help some people? I have no doubt it will. Uh, it's intimate. To even try, you have to be wanting to improve the relationship, so that adds to the potential. However, if you hate the idea of a breastplate, then yeah, there's a high likelihood that um, of it actually harming rather than helping, especially if you go into it with the idea that this is not going to work or I'm going to hate it. Uh, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts. Now, if you go into it with the idea of this is hard for me, but I'm going to gift it to my spouse because I love him, then it might But if you weren't sincere, then it could invert and lead to contempt with you thinking, how dare you accept when he knows I hate it. So there's a lot of pitfalls there. And there's no one-size-fits-all step-by-step protocol um, to fixing things. Uh, Generally, the best I have is, you know, number one, love your spouse. Number two, assume that they love you. And number three, learn to communicate well. And though... If you follow those, that generally helps things. But learning to do those things is difficult. Those are wide principles, not simple step-by-step behaviors. So in your case, I'd say it's risky at best to try this. Um, Only you would know if you could actually invest in it. And based on your question, I'd say it's unlikely at this time. And that's not a slight or saying that you should be able to either. Now, that said, I'd you did say some things that I want to address. Uh, the first is that you said, I'm skeptical that my saggy 40 something year old post children breasts have much of a, anything left to catch his attention. I'm in flat out in disbelief that they could get him intoxicated. My wife and I turned 40 this year. We have had five children, all breastfed. I am certainly still intoxicated by her breasts. Um, most men I talk to 
about this still are, regardless of age. I ran a survey a while back that showed 96% of men uh, said they were as, if not more, attracted to their wife than when they got married. Age didn't matter, neither did fitness, health, weight, nothing. Um, so I would not be surprised in the least if your husband was by yours, especially if you have a tendency to hide them or not want them touched. Um, so I, yeah, I'd be quite surprised if he wasn't. And again, that's not a push for you to do daily breast play. I would just like to see the self-image belief of yours challenged. I encourage you to ask your husband what he thinks of your breasts. And I'm willing to bet that if you went topless and asked him, he would be too distracted for to be able to answer for a few moments at least. Instead of the daily breast play thing, I would suggest trying to find some other way to be intimate. The roommates juggling children phase is hard. It's good to have some way to take a break and be married adults together. For my wife and I, learning to give sensual massages was the ticket. Um, it was marriage changing while we were in a decade-long phase of diapers and breastfeeding. Uh, for my wife, breastplay was 100% off the table as well for a very long time. Uh, they were for breastfeeding only, and anything else would just drive her insane. Um, but bag rubs... She loved those. Uh, as such, I've been recommending Melt's couples massage courses for years because they radically changed my marriage as well as many others that I've talked to. So maybe it's worth checking out for you. If not, try something else. There must be something that just makes you feel good. It can help you feel connected. Maybe it's him brushing your hair. Maybe it's back rubs. Maybe it's reading a book together. Maybe it's praying together or studying scripture. Maybe it's doing puzzles together, playing board games. I don't know. Find something that lets you take a break from being a mother and be a couple, whatever that is. I'd be willing to bet that whatever you find would have more of an impact on your marriage than daily breast play in your case. And that's it for this month. I'm going to be working on July questions soon, so stay tuned. If you have a question of your own, you can submit it anonymously on our Have a Question page. Uh, link is in the show notes. If you'd like to see the questions as they come in, considering joining our supporters group. Even $1 a month gets you into the forum, and you can see the questions and be part of the discussion. And at $5 a month or more, this month gets you our exploration list free. Lastly, don't forget to fill out our sex noises survey if you hadn't yet. We're halfway to the 2000 mark already, and I am looking forward to doing the analysis for it. And that's it for now. Talk to you next time. <laughs>